right. So today I am going to share my side of what it means to be anxious, which when I was dealing with that and needing to seek help in that and repentance, I was led to that if you're anxious, you're of little faith. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And the rewards of getting rid of anxious and what that'll look like and how that is a measuring stick to where we're at in our walk with God. And then we'll look at different passages that give examples of being anxious, what it really means to be anxious and where and where our heart's at in terms of our goals. Okay. So where are we at in Proverbs 4? So let's do Proverbs 4. 26 in King James Version says, Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. And then let's go to Proverbs chapter 8. And it is the title of wisdom. Verse 1 Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the pass. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Which you pointed out, Mark, the sons of man is important there. Yeah. And we'll see that. That's where I think last, or we talked about one time, about um, wisdom is a bride looking for marriage. And it looks to be married to the souls of men. Mm. So it's crying out, because wisdom is known as a female in this, because he's called a she or a her. It's meaning there needs to be a covenant, a coming together to establish a covenant marriage type thing. Okay, that's good. So verse 5, O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him who understandeth, and right to them that finds knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. So that's talking about the temporal and the supernatural, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Verse 11, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be devised are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth I do hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. And you taught on one of the pearls about how understanding is its girding up. What's the, you gird up under? Well, it's like a foundation. Like it's understanding, yes. so it's it's underneath and it's Short holding up. My, holding yes. up. Yes, and so you can't have that structure. without crying out and being married to wisdom. Fifteen, by me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Yes, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. So that's, all that. That's an important thing. That's the key right there. I may cause those that love me 
that's got to happen because if that's not happening we can't we don't you know we may see want the many blessings from god but if we're not if we haven't fallen in love with god then we're on the outside looking in and we haven't received the promise of eternal life that that hasn't happened yet yes so in proverbs eight thirty, it says this is jesus talking about him and wisdom then i was by him as one brought up with him and i was daily his delight rejoicing always before him and then skip to verse 34 blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates waiting at the post of my doors and so that's just the gates and the doors and the path this is all wisdom will keep you on the path and you have to ask for it seek and strive and you have to guard your gates and your doors of letting other things in and leading you and filling you and I don't know that's just all key to where we're going if we have the wisdom to wait upon the Lord then we're guarding today we're not projecting into the future and making plans and worrying about that we're concerned with now and we'll get into that later in Matthew which is where I started studying this because I'm very much a forward I know part of my gifting is a visionary but you can't live in the tomorrow you got to live for the today yeah so that was very convicting so I like that we can bring delight to God by this this is how we can delight his soul and his heart and make him smile and want to pour out on us and cause us to be sons of God so now we're going to go to Matthew 6 I believe Okay, let's start with 6.1. Take heed that ye do not do your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou does thy alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou does alms, let not your left hand know what thy right hand is doing that thy alms may be in secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly the word for alms it says in the original text the word they use righteousness do not do your righteousness before men or your godliness because if you do it to be seen of men it says you're doing it for theater you're making a theater and those that do that the lord calls them hypocrites and of course, we know the hypocrites killed the Lord because when he was on earth, because he exposed them and said, you're not even children of God, even though you say you are. So if there's hypocrisy in the church, those who have that false light of hypocrisy and do their righteousness just to be seen in the physical, they have that reward of you know people following them or fawning over them or whatever in building those type of relationships that are religious they do not have the reward of eternal life it says you won't have the reward from your father in heaven well that's eternal life period so the hypocrites if they stay that way and they don't become broken and to receive the true light of the seven eyes to know who they are and to know they need to change and to cry out to God to accomplish that change they won't be in heaven no matter what they call themselves, no matter what they claim to be or say about themselves, you know, talk about other people as if they know what's going on or they know right from wrong in the spirit, they have false light. That's the biggest polluting thing in the church It's hypocrisy. And a little later we'll get into what causes that, the fuel behind that. So verse 5 of Matthew 6, 
And when thou pray, thou dost not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. And you mentioned that actually openly was added into the translations. Yeah, yeah the, the original, again, the original text, none of them had the word openly in there. That was added by the translators in the, into English, I think. But it implies that everybody's going to see your, your reward. But what it really means is that the Father will fulfill your reward in heaven. You will get the eternal reward. And so those that can wait upon the Lord have to wait for the reward also. And not that we won't have blessings now, but that's not what we're after, physical blessings. We want things that can't be corrupted, that can't be taken away, and they're secure in God, in the secret place. Yes, and the secret place is the Holy of Holies, and we all have the Holy of Holies within us. That is where the seed of salvation is conceived and our salvation and then we protect that and let that grow for the rest of our walk so we are supposed to go into a holy of holies and be intimate with the lord one-on-one and when you close the doors and go into that place that means you set apart time to seek him one-on-one that's special and you don't let anything else in our pastor just um taught a sermon and, and they made it into an article the, it started out if you wake up and the first thing you're thinking about is what you're going to do and what you're going to, you know, all your plans and all your goals and all that. There is a driving force that is not God. And just because that's there doesn't mean you're, you, well, nothing can be done with you. Look at me. I'm just so far gone. That's what I wake up thinking. No, this is what we're going to talk about today. Taking those thoughts captive. And we're going to, you, you take that and you say, no, I am not doing that today. I put that aside. I'm going to go into a place. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. And you're in until those thoughts can be put where they need to be so you can seek the Lord. And that's part of being anxious. If you're waking up anxious or worrying all day, then we're not going into that holy place of intimacy to be changed and to seek and know him. And our great reward is being able to do that. Jesus is the great reward on this side of the cross, on the this side of heaven. The, all the things that can be put on you is just a byproduct of that. That's where it can be supernatural and forever and eternal. You don't seek the prosperity and the relationships and the jobs and the titles like the hypocrites did. We seek him as our great reward. And then that stuff just happens. You don't have to seek or strive after that. It just is a byproduct. Well, Jesus, he, he walked the earth. He, he walked in truth. You know, he, he taught in parables so people would come to the knowledge of the truth willingly if they wanted it. You know, they always had a choice to whether accept it or reject it. But at the same time, Jesus, you know, when he was confronted, he didn't protect people from the truth. You know, he, he gave truth and he didn't protect himself from the consequences of giving truth. Mm-hmm. He obeyed his father and was a light. And from the physical perspective, when people were watching him and what we read, he lost everything. He lost everything in the physical, had nothing. He even lost the clothes off his back, but he gained everything. Everything that's going to last and count in the end, 
It's under his authority. He owns it. We have to keep that in perspective if we want to know what's expected of us as believers. Are we going to seek to serve physical things? Things that, that we do have to address, but are they going to take the place of our faith in God? Because if we focus on those things, we put faith in ourselves. That's where, and he says, ye of little faith. When we talk about Jesus' faith, we're to have his faith. As he walked as a man, we're to seek that. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap up phrases, multiply words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. And that's just kind of an example of physically they were over and over and over, and they weren't trusting the Spirit of God. They weren't praying in the Spirit and allowing God to do that thing. So that's a, a physical and a spiritual picture of a correct prayer. And then let's go to Matthew six twenty four. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body or what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. So, and then it says in verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which to today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? That's where, so to me, that's what got me. It was like, if you're being anxious, and that's your first thoughts of, in the morning of, how can I fix this so that I can get this done and this and this and I got to do that? And then I am of little faith. And it convicted me. I cannot stay anxious. And so... 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So that's what you were saying. We got to deal with today in the Lord. And I like that it says um, Matthew six thirty-three in the amplified version says, strive for the kingdom of God. We've got to strive to come into this place. It's not just going to come upon us. It's not just going to, you know, there's seasons God will just come down on you and then you just have the energy or strength or the hunger, but that you can't count on that. It says you've got to strive to enter into the narrow gate because few will do it. Well, the God of this world is going to fight against our seeking God. So the battle will become more intensified when we set our hearts to seek God and to come into that love of God that we know we need to have. You read, take no thought. And I was studying that and it means don't have preconceived notions concerning what's going to be or what will happen in the future. I mean, we need to make plans and we need to uh, be prepared for sure for the future. But if we start writing scenarios down in stone, you know, with our mind, like this scenario, when we get anxious, or we will get anxious doing that, it says, wait for the evidence of tomorrow to come to pass before weighing things out. Let 
the evidence manifest to what's going to happen and then deal with it. And if we have faith in God, we're going to be in the right position and we're going to be prepared in faith to receive whatever we need for that time, for whatever comes to pass in the future. Otherwise, we set ourselves up to make judgments that can be contrary to the very will of God. We make decisions, which are judgments. If we preconceive, have preconceived notions, we can make judgments and make decisions beforehand that can be contrary to the will of God. So the, will of, the grace of God is not given to us uh, to allow us to, to compete against the will of God. He doesn't give us grace to compete against His will. And early in Matthew chapter 6, He has the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. Mm-hmm. The will, our will has to be weighed out versus God's will. Are we violating the will of God by, by having preconceived notions and then acting on those out of anxiety or anxiousness and fear? Yeah, it will be taking you captive and you are not taking it captive. We think, you know, and it's a control thing. It's a, our own labor thing. In the intent of doing the will of God, that's what we have to come into in our faith. Okay, I, I wake up and I want to do God's will. Well, we find out through prayer and through the reading of the word where are we at in terms of God's will in our lives. We got to first get that standard of where we're at established. So the intent of doing the will of God and accepting correction from Him has to be within us that's our faith we have to accept if we're not on the right path we can't harden our heart and say i'm going to make this work you know i'm going to make this work well god may be protecting if we fail god may be protecting us from something that a big hole or a pit we're getting ready to go into if we stay on the course of our own will Um, and that's being a believer if we believe God, then we will accept His will. It's not that we just believe, I believe in who He is, I believed He died, I believed He rose again. Well, the book of James says, yeah, the, the demons believe that mm-hmm. too. And they're shuddering because they violated the will of God as eternal beings. And they're, they have no hope. And but now, part, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. And part of that too, anxious is sometimes we're like, worried about other people's actions or what they're doing and it's affecting us and we got to help or whatever but I ran across a verse and I didn't write it down but it said don't overestimate yourself and underestimate others and don't forget that everything God does is to bring people unto him and salvation and to increase them so don't take control so much that you don't leave room for God to work with their soul the next step may be according to what they choose to do. So then again, we're being in control if we just make it happen and get it all lined out. Or if we have preconceived notions about them. Yes. Whether, like, oh, this is how they're going to react, so I need to talk to them yep. like this. I had that a while back. There's somebody that's under my authority in a situation, and I needed to adjust something in the way they perform or the way they act. You know, I want to do it in the right way. And so I, I came up with almost a statement and said it to him. <laughs> and they kind of went, I've got a problem with that. That's easy. I can, I can change that. And I was all worked up on them 
getting upset at me. I thought about that. I thought about them closing me off, whatever. And then I'm going to have to deal with the sticky situation. It was fine. Like, all he had to do was tell me. That's easy. You could have wasted hours and days of torment. Yeah. Because of that. And then it was just like, because their heart was ready to receive. Yeah. And I I don't have to, again, protect them from the truth. Mm, As long as I, I... I speak it in the right way to where there there's compassion yes. available and it's helping them yes. to make take a better step in the right direction and not just making myself look good and them look bad. That's not why. That's God's heart. Yeah. And that's why we can't be in control because he's always working on them and us. So the last scripture I have, unless you have some... T- um, yeah, you were talking about the froward mouth. Yes. Go to Daniel 7. Okay. This kind of hits a little heavier, but it needs to be tied in with this because this is what affects us today. We was talking about the vision Daniel had of the fourth beast. So, Daniel seven fifteen. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body. And the visions of my head troubled me. And I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, and he made me know the interpretation of things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall rise out of the earth. And the saints and the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, the nails of brass which devoured breaking pieces and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even that horn had eyes, and a mouth that spoke very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. And so that horn is going to be very enlightened, very wise sounding, and very convincing to every speaking to. And that's that froward mouth, that very confident, very easy to convince people. Because it says in the end, even the elect, mm. that the elect can be de- deceived. So this is going to be hypocrisy, a great spiritual hypocrisy that this horn will be even before the saints. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are the ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. shall be diverse from the first. He shall subdue three kings. That's that little horn again. Just explaining it again and he shall speak great words against the most high he shall have his own will and he shall wear and he'll call it the will of god and shall wear out the saints of the most high who are truly in the will of god from heaven and this this little horn shall think to change times and laws so he's going to try to predetermine the future he is going to have preconceived notions that he is going to set up to rule over mankind. So that goes back to Matthew chapter 6. Take no thought 
for tomorrow. And that's what he's doing. I'm going to take thought for tomorrow, and I'm going to determine the will of God into the future. This is going to be, and it's going to be a false set of circumstances that people are going to be subdued with. And that's where we're at now. It's just like what the CIA does. They try to predetermine events in our lives. They've been doing it for decades. Predetermined events, and they make mistakes. It doesn't matter if they do good things or bad things. They're doing it to predetermine how people will respond, and they know how they'll respond, and there'll be no surprises for them because they'll know how to control us. Well, that's what this little horn is doing. They call it false flags. I know this is getting into conspiracy stuff, but I'm, I'll get out of it real quick. But what they do is they have an event that's a true event known beforehand, and it's, it's a trap to make people... It's like setting up a fence to herd sheep, and they'll, they'll put people in a fence, and they can control them. They can just control They make their decisions for them, and that's what they're doing. And this little horn will make our decisions for us, and we'll just say, okay, this must be the right way to do it, because he knows all things. And then he can say that God told him this, and people will go, okay, and they'll agree to it. It's just like things we're doing today, health-wise, that we just submit. People just submit to it. They don't find out the truth. They think that's the, what they're being told is the truth. And they accept it. They open their gates. They let that in. And it's what the, then they makes their, somebody else made their determination for them. And they just follow like blind sheep. And they trust a, somebody that knows more or acts like they know more and sounds very convincing. They trust them. And it used to be okay to do that because you, there was trustworthy people at the top that had our own be best interest at hand. But now their best interest is them controlling us. That's what's wrong. And that's why Jesus said, you need the spirit. Yes. You have to have the spirit of truth to know the will of God in your life. You do not receive the will of God mm -hmm. from another human being in your life. If you do, you're deceived. They can confirm something that you've already heard from the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But if you're being led by another human being, you are under a religious authority that is from, from the kingdom of Satan, period. There's only two kingdoms. And that can go for pastors, too. If they are not going into their holy of holies intimately, hearing from God what to speak to the people they're going to think they're saying right things and some right things are going to come out, but they're leading people the wrong way. That's why as you were speaking all that, I was like, it just quickens. We have to go into that secret place daily for sure. And sometimes more than daily. Daniel did it morning, noon and night. He had to go reset, <laughs> get redirected because, you know, when you're sent out in the world, you get all this pollution, you hear all these voices and you, you know, you start wavering. So you morning, noon and night daily pick up your cross and hear for the Lord yourself, so you're not just a sheep following a voice that is not God. Yeah, and Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, he said, he said it twice. Your biggest problem during the end, in the tribulation, sorry folks, no rapture. In the tribulation, because it says the saints will be subdued. Well, the saints should be raptured, but in Daniel, they're not raptured. They're on the earth. That should tell you something right there. Because we have a work to do. Right. Yeah. We've been given a job to do. What are we going to be taking out of so we can't do our job? Sons of God are called to 
restore and take back dominion on the earth so that souls can be saved. So in Matthew 24, Jesus says twice, see that no man deceive you. Mm. Because the little horn type people that follow the little horn in Daniel 7 will be those that speak great swelling words to deceive, to control, and to make a religious order that where you get your reward now. You get that reward now, but you don't get an eternal reward in heaven with the Father. You don't get that because this is all theater. The little horn in Daniel is all to produce theater, to try to concoct a future and call it the will of God, and it's not. But he'll think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until. So the saints will be given under his, into his hand to have to deal with that, but just for a time. In 26, it says, But the judgment shall sit, and they, the saints, that God will turn the tables, and the saints will take away the little horn's dominion, who's the Antichrist spirit. That's what we're talking about, the Antichrist. And don't just think of the Antichrist as just one person. Nope. It is a spiritual force that people will have. And it the says... The followers will have, and will yes. be, there'll be a conflict in that local. Go ahead. Well, he says... The Antichrist spirit is already here. It's not just one thing. That would be easy if it was just one person and just put it all. No, it's function. Anything that is against Christ and against us knowing him for ourselves and moving forward in him is an Antichrist spirit. And we're going to fight that every day in our own lives. And the Antichrist spirit is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It is taking the place of God, whether it's his will, whether it's his word, the way it's presented, if it's done without the Spirit, if it's just done through indoctrination of man, man to man indoctrination, God gets cut off. God gets replaced. Jesus gets replaced with another Jesus. Paul said, if there's another Jesus come in here, don't follow him. Angels of light will come in mocking or mimicking the Holy Spirit. And that happens everywhere in the church. It's all over the place in the church. You know, people want to come in and make a name for themselves. Be seen of men. Get a following. If that's happening, that's an angel of light. That's not the Holy Spirit. It's not meek. And it's not wanting to see others come up and find God. I want them to find me. Well, even the ones that are really on fire and are really moving in the Spirit of God, then what happens is, especially with new Christians, they'll put them in positions like right away. And then they try to control them. Because they're in their position, they put them in, and then they, it's just not good. Do you want to know one of the biggest places that the Antichrist spirit can start? Or a, a place, let's say, that we don't think of? What about parents with their children? Instead of causing them to be hungry and thirsty and seeking the Lord for themselves and the call on their lives to be developed, they push and direct We can do it there. We can do it with our husbands. We can do it with our sisters, our friends. They are to hear God one-on-one for themselves. And if we're doing anything different than that, that can be an antichrist spirit. So we can't think it's some big one person or some big governmental thing. we got to look in our own heart and our own home first. And we will not be used outside the walls of our home if we don't have that right. That false light of the antichrist spirit. We need the seven eyes. We have to cry out for the seven eyes from God. God, I want your light, Jesus. You know, the communion with Jesus will we feed on him, his body, his flesh, and his blood. He says, I counsel you to get gold tried by fire. That gold is that menorah in the spirit, that seven eyes. 
that we can see. If we're operating or if we're under the influence of somebody's religious spirit, we get the seven eyes. God will start showing you in truth. The Lord will show you. The Lord will point it out. The Lord will do the dividing from what's him and what's not. Because the Antichrist spirit wants to just cloud it. Just make everything gray. And so whatever somebody says something about the Lord, oh, they're, they're, they're right. Well, we need the spirit to know if they're doing theater or if they actually are in the call of walking with God. Or if they want that. Maybe they're not even at our level, but they want it. And God can just quicken that yes. in them. They want that quickening. But if they're just doing theater, then mm-hmm. that's just an avenue of deception. And we need the seven eyes to, to get off that path if that's where we're at. Yeah. And the seven eyes are spirit of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fear of the Lord, spirit of might, and the anointing. Yes. And those seven eyes are God's ability that he gives us to see, to discern. And to get set free. To know, to know truth versus false truth. Yep. The religious truth. Yep. What truth that doesn't have God in it, it didn't come from God, man could have repackaged it into a religious presentation. And you can tell that because there's no <coughs> life and it's boring. You know, we oftentimes, we, when we're, we know when we're listening to somebody that is anointed, when you listen to them, an hour can go by and you think you've just been here 10 minutes listening to them. Because God is in the presence of that. The presence of God comes in that connecting, in that hearing. And so when that happens, you, it's just like time time can fly and it's like you're, you want more. And you could stay, you could just stay and just keep feeding on that because the eternal God is present. Did you want to do Second Corinthians 10.5? Okay. In the Amplified, it says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings in every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So that scripture came to me when I was studying, Take No Thought. So we've got to take those thoughts, those forces, those drives, our will, all the things that are swirling and puts us in a whirlwind and anxious and all that. We've got to take captive those thoughts and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity and into the obedience of Christ. And that's that little horn. The, the Antichrist spirit of that little horn exalts itself. It said he will exalt himself above the Most High in Daniel 7. Right here, everything that exalted itself, that commits blasphemy against the spirit, that presents itself as, I'm the godly person, I'm the Christian, I'm, and, you know, doing it for theater, in which exalts the person doing it, it doesn't exalt the creator. Uh, it's like it stands in, it cuts off the avenue to God, and it makes a road to that person, to ooh and all over that person, that it's exalting himself against the knowledge of God against knowing the creator if we're one that exalts herself above god then we cut off other people's avenue to the creator if they're paying attention to us mm. is what that was what that's saying and I, those yeah go ahead. those thoughts and those imaginations and the anxiety or the anxiousness you're talking about comes from the fuel of sin mm. All right. so what's that the fuel of sin iniquity Ni- iniquity no the fuel of iniquity oh our will no, that's part of iniquity. So it's the energy or the way of Satan's kingdom. What is, okay, that's what I'm getting at. What is it? One word. 
that is the, the fuel of sin or iniquity. Fear. Bingo. Bingo. Fear. Ooh. Fear is, is fuel. The fuel of sin. That's good. The power of sin. It says the okay. power of sin. That power is fear. Oh my goodness. If you, if we, if the believer cannot get an understanding and see that fear is the root cause of what makes us sin, what makes us do what we want to do, that is getting to the bottom of things. If we can get to that level and deal with fear, and it says perfect love mm. cast out fear. It doesn't say perfect love cast out sin. Yes, we want sin cast out. Perfect love, and perfect means ability to fulfill, means accomplish. God's power to accomplish removing fear is love. That's good. And our pastor says being perfect is fully knowing you need God. That's being perfect. If you acknowledge that and know that, you're perfect. You're made covered in what you need to change. And get on the path to pursue that. Yes. Get that intent set to pursue God, which is the love of God. Pursuing Him. A lover yes. pursues Him. I want you, Lord, because you give me eternal life. Mm. You protect me. You make things right according to your will, which is right, which is going to, it's eternal. It's going to last. And fear is the power, the energy, or the force behind sin. So God's love, the perfect love, is the fundamental energy of the Creator. That's good. It casts out all fear, and Satan is the rebellious one. And his fundamental energy, or essence, is fear. When Jesus came upon somebody possessed by devils and unclean spirits, they put up a fight to Jesus. They were scared out of their being. They started begging him, don't, don't, don't send us out. just showed who they are. They're just fear. <clears throat> They're just fear. Yeah. But they can drive and they can manipulate and they can convince. And all these things they do in our bodies, if we can recognize fear, it's not from God. That's step one. That anxiety, okay, we, we go before the Lord and start dealing with the fear. Start asking, God, take this fear out of me. Get this out of my generations. Get, this, get these, these ancestral forces that are not of your kingdom that are laying claim to me. And using my body. To do its will. And they're in my flesh. Paul mm-hmm. says, I see no good, clean thing in my flesh. Nothing good in my flesh. He's talking about the fear, those ancestral fears that are seeking refuge from the wrath of God. And they're just fear. And there's no fear in God's kingdom. And how many times? It's 366 times in the Bible, God, the Lord says, do not be afraid. Mm. That's every day of the year and a leap year. <laughs> do not be afraid. So fear is the biggest enemy. It's not being a bad person and even, you know, even the bitterness. Yeah, we want to deal with bitterness, but the fear that seeded everything is behind everything, that foundation, that is what will set us free. That'll renew our mind. Yes. Get that fear out. Yes. We're not so peaceful. We're not thinking tormenting thoughts. You know what called our body or mid part of our body is called the torso. It's because of torsion. It's a twisting, hmm. you know, things twist. Mm-hmm. Well, that fear will call it, come in and twist, mm. torsion. Just think of that spinning. And that's also our truth area. So that's one reason it hits in that. Because if we see the truth, then we won't let that happen. We'll do this process we're talking about. Yeah, that cleansing of that fear, that polluting fear. Is it the biggest polluting force we have in us is fear. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get when something a fearful news come to comes to us or something, what does it do? What does it hit? Our guts mm-hmm. and it just like twist our guts instantly we feel that fear well if we can get those forces out of us through our intimacy with god 
that the cleansing word of God from the Spirit, from our worshiping in the secret place where we're being touched by God in intimacy. Yes. We're being dealt with by God, and His love is casting out that fear. We're yes. experiencing that intimate love with God. As we called upon Him and He shows up, we're in that place, then that fear is being removed. Yes. But you got to keep going back over and over, and it'll be a journey until we go out of this earth. Yeah, it's layers and sections. and. But once you taste of that, what you just described, you'll want and know that's the only place to go, and you'll keep going back. But we got to do this process, and the opposite of fear is faith. So if we are doing this process we're describing, if we are choosing to do it, even though it's uncomfortable, it's hard, and sometimes we don't even want to, then that is functioning in faith because we know if we keep going to that secret place if we keep seeking and striving and opening up our heart to be dealt with that's faith we wouldn't do it if it wasn't faith so our faith will grow and we won't be of little faith anymore well in that in that spiritual righteousness we receive from god replaces that fear so we now have the power of god to overcome to not react as we used to react to whatever comes we trust god and we're coming in, we're growing in that. It's growing. It's not instantaneous yes. arrival, but it's progressing on that journey. Our minds are becoming quiet. We're not controlled by those thoughts. Like in Second Corinthians 10, we're, we now take him captive because that thought came from the kingdom of fear. Yeah. It's not the kingdom of God. And those thoughts want me to trust in myself and what, I, what my mind perceives or what somebody's telling me instead of the obedience yes. of Christ. Because Jesus, there's a faith of Jesus we need to have. The faith of Jesus. He trusted the Father. I mean, he had he laid his life down. He trusted the Father that the resurrection would take place. And it was a great joy. He had Satan screaming in his ears, mm-hmm. in his mind. He had the devil screaming in his mind. All different, probably scenarios. And How's this person going to react? How, what are my disciples going to do? All this, these raging, tormenting scenarios. And some people have this, and they call it voices. They have voices. Well, it's fear that is channeled in. Fear, <coughs> spiritual fear is channeled in. We can call them demons, whatever. But they're, vo- they're forces with a voice. Well, I just have been dealing with somebody that I was talking about this kind of stuff with. And they said, well, it's a chemical imbalance. It's physical. And I'm like, okay, the spirit realm can cause the chemical imbalance. It will eat up your hormones and get you out of balance and they just they they wouldn't go that it's a spiritual because that's more to deal with than some people want to deal with they just want to take a pill and I'm not saying to not use pills or medicine but you say it's a bridge to have a little help well, but we got to get to the root but it won't it won't solve and, the problem. and that's what I told this person I said okay that can help but you're never set free and you're dealing with this the rest of your life I want to be free something you were talking about um when those thoughts come up there's a scripture we read in Proverbs that said, those who seek me early, you do it early. Don't take it captive early before it grows and gets bigger and it's harder. And verse Proverbs 8.21 says, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And so the substance is something you can visibly see, which are the fruits of the Spirit, which I believe without the seven eyes of God, those are first, and then the fruits just show up. And the fruits of the Spirit are in Galatians 5, and it is faithfulness, joy, peace, hope, self-control, love, patience, kindness, and gentleness. And you can only develop those in the secret place. 
the relationship with the Creator. It can't come. When, when we have, when he says, don't do your alms in public for men to see. Well, we're talking about removing fear. We're talking about the intimacy, the relationship, the deep. Being in the deep secret place with God is not a public act. Yes. It's not having a manifestation of the Spirit in a corporate setting or in a congregation where people are manifesting things. That's drawing attention to me. That has nothing to do with the Spirit of the Lord because the Spirit of the Lord will never, ever do something to draw attention to man. Never. And Jesus oftentimes when it got started getting, people started getting worked up, he said, we got to go. This is going to be perceived wrongly. We yes. need to go. And he told people to tell no man. Yeah. We're not here to draw attention to the sons of man. We're here to draw attention to the kingdom of God. Yes. We don't want just the ones that show up to see the show and the miracles. We want the ones that want God. That's what he was saying. They the other a, are just noise. They want a new life. Empty noise. A new way. The real way. The way of the heart to the Father. The individual heart to know who created them. Yes. I was in a service with my pastor's wife. It was during worship. And she is a worship leader and minister as well. And she was like, this is entertainment. And I knew she was right, but I had never divided that out with different things I listened to or seen before and but I knew there was truth to it and so I just went on my path you know and it's so easy to see now when you see worship leaders or listen to music it's entertainment it is not helping open up the path so that others can come up into that place of worshiping so we can do that even in our lives is it for show or is it to help them be pointed to the path and pointed to the one who is the great reward. I was brought up in the church where evangelism was the thing. We needed to win souls. And so they had programs to train us to prefabricate a presentation of the gospel. So we had steps. We're told what to say, how to respond to what they say, ask these questions, and just had a formula. And these scriptures. And then we had, yeah, and then we had to think of people that quote-unquote needed Jesus or needed to come to church. And so we got a phone book out, and we thought of people, we made a list, and we started targeting people. And we were encouraged, that, hey, we're really, this is our mission. This is the Great Commission to do this. Well, first of all, we weren't led by the Spirit. We weren't prepared as far as uh, having a right spirit. I mean, the intent overall is good. You, you want to have that ultimate goal to have people come to the Lord. But we had another way. We made another way. Mm. Mm. Another way was done to do that. And so when we went to people's houses, we knocked on their doors. We were trespassing. And you could feel it. They were uncomfortable. They were like, you barged in. With an agenda. And some of them, they kind of liked that. If the older people kind of liked being visited, they liked that because they were lonely. And and you made a connection. But it was like, it was almost deceptive because it's like they were like, why are you here? Why did you just barge into my house? I'm watching Wheel of Fortune here. (laughs) <laughs> and you came in and interrupted my show and it was awkward but it wasn't it wasn't like we didn't have a relationship with those people otherwise really i mean a friend relationship and we just went in and trespassed and when jesus went into a city it says he just taught, taught started teaching and whoever wanted it was drawn in was drawn in mm. and they would stay and listen but jesus didn't go knocking on doors and i never saw that in the scripture where he went and did that like we like we did. Yeah, he knocked on the doors of the heart 
individually. And he taught in parables. You know, he taught in third person where if a person, if it, if they wanted to open up and receive that truth, then they would come ask him for more, just yeah. like the woman at the well. She started asking him questions. What did he ask her, two questions? And so. she asked a bunch. Yeah, and he led her because her heart was really sincerely help me break through all these things I've been told because I feel in my spirit you have something. And then later she was revealed that he was the Messiah. And what did he say to the woman caught in adultery? What was the question he said to her that I can think of? Where are your accusers? Oh, yeah. I think that's the only question he said to her. Where are your accusers? That was Jesus. Mm. That wasn't a religious preacher asking her, what are you going to say to God when you stand before him in heaven? Yeah, if you died today, where would you yeah. go? Where would you go? What would you say? Why would you, if they said, why should I let you in here? Ugh. I mean, it's like the preacher just set you up for to go up there. You had no relationship, but you're going to say the right things to get in. Yeah. It's like, how bad is that? We can do more with our vessel being full of the eyes of God and the fruits of the Spirit, doing everyday things and just being used like that the light and they they are they see us in situations where we should act certain ways and we don't and they they are watching and then it can open a door i had somebody ask me at a ball game one time how can you stay so calm and there was some bigger situations just than how the game was going and they recognized i wasn't getting in all the hype and going to do this or do that with my agenda of what I thought. People are watching you. And then if they come to a situation they need help, they know where to go. Hey, can you pray for me? They trust you because they've seen your fruits and they've seen your heart. And then you can point them. You can go get the oil for yourself. Here it is. Yeah, that's a requirement that they they know they need to go also. If they want that great reward, that eternal reward, they have to go themselves. Yeah. We can point it, but we can't make their decision for them. And that's what that evangelism does. I'm mm-hmm. making a decision. I know what you need. And this is it, how you do it. And let's sign you up. Yeah. Let's this, this, this get your eternal security set right here. Well, that's just a total false assurance. False covenant, false assurance, everything. So the question is, which kingdom will we choose to seek and harness? The kingdom of God that works by love, which is received by faith, or... Do we succumb to Satan's kingdom that works by fear and is according to the will of man, which is, comes from the gods of this world? They'll give you power to do your will. And the little horn will say, I know the will of God. This is the will of God. Because he'll change times and seasons. And if he makes things come to pass, according to what he set up, then people will say, well, it's God's will it happened. He's prophetic. All right. You got anything in closing? I think we had several closes. <laughs> Well, this is our Sunday conversation for March 28th. See you next time.